Before we get started, let's talk about what's new at Cold Wax Academy. Rebecca and Jerry have just launched their fall quarter of live online sessions with a special focus this time on member participation, plus informative sessions on a variety of other topics. This month also marks the beginning of Cold Wax Academy's third year of teaching sessions, meaning that the member library now has over 80 recordings and other instructional documents available for members. To access this wealth of information and to take part in upcoming live sessions, please visit the membership page at coldwaxacademy.com and sign up for one of the two levels of membership available. That's coldwaxacademy.com. All right, let's get into the show. Hello and welcome to The Messy Studio with Rebecca Kroll, the podcast at the intersection of art, travel, entrepreneurship, philosophy, and life in general. I am Ross Techner, Rebecca's audio producer, podcast guru, and her son. On today's episode, we are talking about pricing quandaries. One of the trickiest issues that artists deal with is pricing their work. While there are some well-known basic guidelines to follow, and tried and true methods of arriving at prices that are very useful, not all pricing situations are straightforward. Artists also encounter situations that may not have obvious answers, situations that are usually not addressed in basic art business advice. When the situation is not straightforward, even experienced artists can find themselves feeling indecisive or worried they are charging too much or too little. Today, we will talk about some of the pricing situations you may encounter that are challenging and factors to consider when you run into them. With me, as always, is Rebecca Kroll. Hello, everyone. So uh, I think this topic is something a lot of artists will relate to. Um, And there are some basics, like you mentioned. I mean, to get anywhere in selling your work, you you have to have those that basic, you know, ground rules. Uh, kind of do's and don'ts, and there are a lot of there is a lot of information about that online. But just to mention some of it quickly, um, to price your work in, in an objective way, say uh, maybe by the square inch. A lot of artists do it that way, rather than using any subjective basis like you know how much you like something or how much time you put into it. Um, because we all struggle sometimes with certain pieces, but that doesn't mean we're going to charge more for them. So that kind of objective base, um, another ground rule is consistency in pricing across all the various venues that you use to sell your work, or the various platforms, um, different galleries that represent you, uh, you, there should be a consistency to your price. Um, Other basic advice when you're starting out, Um, use prices that show that you're not as experienced as other artists, but not so low that the work that it seems like you're devaluing the work that it, you know, you'll get put in a category of hobbyist or amateur. If you do that, um, good other, other advice, asking for input from people who sell art, um, that you're more or less in the same situation, the same price points. Um, being able to state your price without apology or immediately offering to negotiate, that that's kind of a trap a lot of people fall into. Um, if you need to raise your prices, doing it periodically, doing it in, in increments. And so these are just the kind of advice, like you said, we this is available. And 
while it isn't doesn't always give you a precise answer, these are all good guidelines. Um, and you know, it's good to play by the rules. It, they, these are meant to be objective and reasonable approaches, and they can help you avoid uncertainty and stress about your prices. Because uh, really, anything to do with money tends to weigh on people emotionally. Um, there's a lot of baggage around money, and it can maybe challenge your self-esteem. And for artists, it can be really hard to separate the prices of your work from what it's worth to you. Um, and they, the, the price and how you feel about your work can be out of sync either way. It, it could be that you're pricing your work too high because you know you know what you put into it and how you how much work it was to get there but it may be not a reasonable price for where you're at um, if it's too low then maybe you're just kind of giving in to, to that desire to sell your work but inside you believe it's worth more so you have this idea that well lower price is going to sell more um, and that may or may not be true actually but it can undermine your self-worth about you know, what, what the work is really worth. So the overall advice with all that is to try not to get too tied up in the emotional aspects of pricing. Um, and the, really the way to approach that, it is difficult for a lot of artists to see their work as a product or apply marketing ideas to what they do. And and on the other hand, like also, if it's not selling, to think it's not worth it, think it's not worthwhile, good work, um, and, you know, get into kind of a sl emotional slump because you're basing your self-worth as an artist on this outside uh, uh, aspect of, you know, is somebody buying it? So <laughs> there's there's a lot of emotional stuff about this. And even when you're just doing the basics, when you're trying to follow these basic rules that we talked about, um, we, you know, we operate in a consumer culture and we are really conditioned, all of us, to equate monetary value with intrinsic value. And so as a, as a consumer of art, if you're buying art and you see a really p low price on a work of art, it's kind of human nature to question its value. And that's why I say it isn't always smart to put a low value on your work because in the in the hopes that it will sell, because it also makes it look cheap, you know, <laughs> makes the person looking at it think, oh, you know, this can't be that good. Um, oftentimes people buying art and looking at art are not are a little bit unsure of themselves. And so a low price can actually put them off. Um if it's too high, it, you know, a high price can make a works, you know, come across as more valuable, but it can also put people off, you know, make you a little incredulous, like, um, you know, what? They want this much money for this, you know? So I think as artists, we are so aware of crossing that line in pricing. Many, many of us don't want to go too high because we don't want that reaction. We don't want people to say, no way is this worth that much money. <laughs> so anyway, getting back to just if you're starting out and you're trying to figure out if your prices are good, um, 
those basic ideas are great. Um, and, and basing the price on your own track record and on the prices of similar work and people with similar background in your geographic location or where you're going to start exhibiting. Because location has a lot to do with this also. Um, and I'll, I'll get into that a little bit more in a minute. But if you do feel like adjustments need to be made, um, you know, raising prices uh, incrementally but steadily is one way. If your prices are too high and you, you sort of recognize that, then holding off from increasing them and gradually, um, you know, it will catch up to you and your prices will be okay. So, um, yeah, and pricing in, in artwork is it's just far more difficult than pricing other goods. Uh, you know, if you if you look at something pretty basic like gasoline, you know, it's right. it's you can it's basically just supply and demand. You know, how much supply of gasoline is there? How much demand is there for that gallon of gas? And you arrive at a price point. Mm-hmm. And one gallon of gas is roughly exchangeable for any other gallon of gas. And that's just not the case with artwork. Like one piece of art is not easily equated with another piece of art it's it's all very subjective in terms of that value and yeah and unique as you say and i've heard people talk about supply and demand in terms of an individual artist's work saying well if you're selling a lot of work then you need to increase your prices and while that does make some sense um i think doing that in any kind of drastic way is also not so good um your prices do need to go up over time. One reason is that people that buy your work do want to see it increase in value. So if they bought something 10 years ago, they don't want to see that same price going today. So so there is, you know, it is a market product in that way. But as you say, so hard to arrive at that, at that first, the first time you're starting to price your work. Um, and you know how do how do you know where where to start? So often, very commonly, I see work that I think is good work. People have developed ideas, they've developed techniques, and they're selling it really cheaply. And I usually discourage that if people ask me about you know students will ask me about their prices, and I think you know. I think it just shows a lack of self-confidence to say, you know, you have a piece that's 20 inches square and you're going to charge, you know, $300 for it or something. That it just doesn't, it doesn't fit with the value of the piece. Um, and, and in those cases, very often people are selling to their friends, to their family. And that, that's where we get into the next part of this conversation because sometimes when you're selling to people you know, it it can seem quite different than if you're just putting it in a gallery or putting it online for a price. It's much more personal. <laughs> so so how do you adjust your pricing then when it's when it's for friends or family? Uh so yeah, I have I have quite a few of these situations that I want to talk about where it's hard to know. And with family and friends, typically people will say, okay, if I were to sell this piece in a gallery, it would cost $1,000. You're my friends and family, and what the gallery is going to give me is $500, 
because they usually take 50%. So I'm going to charge you $500 because that's what I would get anyway. So I worked that way for a long time. That was kind of my baseline thing. Uh, you're selling to people who are not connected with the gallery. The gallery probably doesn't know you're doing this, which they wouldn't like, but you know, they're your friends or your family. Okay. What I finally realized though, was that there are situations in which you do sell your work on your own for full price, whether you do that online, whether you do that because someone visits your studio, um, whether you maybe you sell it to uh, a percent for the art program or something like that. And it was actually a percentage for the art program in Wisconsin where I first realized this because I was offering some older work and I was putting the price, the retail price on it. State of Wisconsin bought a couple pieces and paid me very well. And I thought, yeah, and if, if a friend or family had bought this and I only charged them half of it, you know, that's that's a bit of a loss. And so... I decided then that when I discounted to people I know, it would only be 20% because galleries will discount to certain customers and their limit is usually 20%. Some of them, it's not even that much, but I've never encountered a gallery that would routinely discount any more than 20%. So it seemed like a good number and that's my discount that I offer. And, and you know, I think your friends and family also understand that this is probably at least part of your livelihood, and they're not interested in shorting you anyway. So to just assume that you need to give this big price break, um, I decided at least for myself that I wasn't going to do that. And I would say any of these things I'm going to say about pricing are my own approach, my own opinion. Listeners may have their own opinions about this. I think these situations are kind of challenging. And I'm not saying this is the way to do it, but I'm just saying, here's an idea if you need a policy. Um, I have certainly had plenty of difficulties in figuring out my own pricing over the years. And I, I would say that I have basically made peace with my prices as they are in the marketplace. Um, and, and overall, they're kind of low um, compared to other artists. I go to galleries in Santa Fe and I see paintings the same size as my own, um, the same, I mean, I guess, experience put into them. And sometimes they're three or four times what I charge. And so it's it's challenging when you see that to just say yeah but this is where this is my decision this is how i look at this and my basic idea is to put a price on it that's respectable uh but will be available to people that just want a painting in their house and and they may or may not be big collectors but they they want they want some art so I'm trying not to price myself out of that range of people that have not a huge amount of disposable income, but enough to buy a painting that's five or $6,000, but not one that's $60,000, you know? It's, it's a whole different realm. Um, so having made that decision about my work, I just can't let myself get into comparing my prices with other artists and, and the temptation is to feel a little jealous. I, I was looking at a show in Santa Fe the other day 
where many of the pieces had sold, and they were in that really high price range. And I thought, whoa, that artist just raked in hundreds of thousands of dollars for this show. Um, and yeah, I was. it took me a minute to kind of go, okay, well, that's all right. That's them, you know? <laughs> Um, it's it's hard. That there's that emotional aspect of it. Um, I'm not a person who cares a great deal about money, who goes after money in a really determined way, and so it's probably a little bit easier for me to accept that than if I were. But I still feel okay about it. It's kind of like again, I want people to be able to buy it if they can. Um, and I think, like myself, probably a lot of artists have sort of a line in the pricing at the upper end that they they feel a little uncomfortable crossing. And it's not logical, but I'm kind of aware of it for myself. And my own line that I'm a little bit afraid to cross is $10,000. Like I am somewhere in my brain convinced I can't do that. And yet, a big painting, I have crossed that line and, and felt like I I just had to grit my teeth and say, yes, it's $12,000. And really, is anyone going to pay that? Yes, they will for a big painting. Well, and particularly with a large painting, I mean, there's there's just a large cost in materials that goes into it. And, you know, with inflation, uh, pr- those prices go up over time. And, uh, you know, $10,000 is... Uh, is is probably you know what you need to charge for for something that has uh, the materials cost put into it. Materials and time too. I mean, it takes a long time yeah. to develop a big work, and it is simply a bigger item. And people expect to pay more for big paintings. And so again, even at that price, it's going to be at the low end for a large oil painting. And even if you're buying your your art supplies on sale at Blick, which you can get Utrecht Artist Oils right now for 32 to 65% off. And if you want to do that, please use our affiliate link, which is MessyStudioPodcast.com slash Blick. And that'll take you straight through to the regular Blick website. Uh, and uh, and you can check out normally, but when you do that, Blick will donate 10% to the Messy Studio podcast. So you save some money on your art supplies, and you also support the podcast at the same time. Um, <laughs> but even if you do that, and you and you get your, your art supplies at 65% off, when you're pricing your work, you should consider what is what is the cost of the materials if you were, if you had paid full price for them. Right. There's a there's a certain value to oil paint that yeah, you can get it on sale, you can you know, you can you can finagle a lot of ways to reduce the cost of your art supplies, um, buying in bulk, all different ways, taking advantage of sales. Um but in the end, it's a, it's a very expensive thing to produce a big painting. So it is, um, yeah. And you know, you you do need to consider that stuff when you're pricing. And yet, there's also this whole other realm of kind of intrinsic value that's so much harder to to nail down. <laughs> and and you know, the stuff I wanted to to go into in some detail, even if you're on a pretty even keel with your pricing, and you know, you say this is what it is. I have arrived at this price level. Uh, I feel good about this. This is fine. I'm selling some work, etc. There are times when you are challenged, <laughs> and applying a, a price decisions can be hard. So I'm going to go through a few of these, and again. I don't have the answers to these things, but I'm going to 
try to talk about some of the experiences I've had or the insights I've had about this. Um, and, and these answers are not for everyone, but it's a place to start anyway. So we did mention selling to family and friends. That's a big one. And people often ask me about that. Um, yeah. And I would, I would say, um, you know, I, I, for me personally, if I have a product and I'm selling it to a family member or a friend, uh, Frankly, they they pay full retail price, or at least they should, um, because they want to support what I'm doing. Yeah, um, that's and right. If they and if that's if that if there's any question about paying full retail price, I would almost rather just give it to them for free as a gift, <laughs> rather than yeah. give that give it to them at a discount. Give them the friends and family discount. I mean, there's certain industries where that's more or less appropriate. But mm-hmm. to me, it's like if I want to do something for you as a friend or a family member, uh, then I I want to do that as as a gift, I, and and if if uh, if you want to support me in my business, then I think that that you should want to pay full retail price because mm-hmm. if I wasn't giving this product to you, I'd be giving it to somebody else who is paying me full full value for my work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's another perspective. I I think there I think it's an uncomfortable situation for a lot of people because you feel some obligation um, when somebody that you know or somebody in your family approaches you about getting something from you. Immediately, it's slightly awkward, and you're not sure what they're thinking. They're not sure what you're thinking, um, and either just as you say, just say this is the price, or have some firm policy in your mind. And um, I just recently bought a piece from a friend and, and she said, this is, this is the price for you and friends and family. Like, okay, I accepted that. Um, we didn't talk about it otherwise. But it wasn't like a negotiation or anything. It was just, here's the price. I don't, I'm not even sure what the regular price was. So when it's presented like that, it, it's, it seems pretty comfortable to say, "Oh, okay, thanks." You know, but uh, if you if you're dithering or you're not sure, it can be pretty awkward. Um, and I remember um, sending out actually, um, I don't know if it was in a newsletter or something, but I did tell some uh, a group of people that had been buying my work at considerable discount that this wasn't happening anymore. <laughs> and, you know, nobody objected and some people continued to buy my work. So uh, anyway, I think that's one of the most the most common situations that people encounter and, and one of the trickiest, really. Um, but I think anytime you state a price and you just say, this is the price with clarity and an objective tone, people accept it. I mean, rarely would somebody that you knew try to talk you down, I would say. <laughs> um, now, there is a situation, another awkward situation, where somebody says, how much is this piece? And you tell them, and they gasp, or they say, really? Or <laughs> express some sort of dismay. Um, and this is awkward because I think the I don't know, the basic human response feels like you want to defend it. You want to say, oh, but yes, well, that may seem high, but let me tell you why, or something like that, you know. Um, And I have come to believe the best thing to do is just smile, nod, and just, you really don't need to defend yourself. (laughs) Um, 
and it's but it's embarrassing it's awkward when you know you're dealing with somebody and it may make you angry as well or you feel you know like what come on you know you don't know what you're talking about it's it's a, a fairly common response um and so i don't know i think just acknowledging it with yeah well that's what it is you know that's the best you can do with that one um Another situation is selling at studio tours, studio open studio events. Um, and I actually, the whole reason I thought of this topic was that I just came through a weekend of a studio tour. And I, of course, was thinking about pricing as I was setting it up. Um, so my strategy with these things is that when I have older work, much older work, and I've had it around for years. I put, I put sort of a gut level price on it. I I put a price on it that I think, if someone gives me this much for it, I'm going to be happy, and they're going to be happy, and it's going to get it out of my studio. <laughs> and and the threshold is lower than for newer work. Absolutely, this would also be work that had come back to me from galleries, and I always feel that there can be no objection to selling old work at a low price from your venues because they don't want it anymore. It's still good work. It's still absolutely sellable. And I certainly proved that last weekend. I sold quite a bit of older work. Um, and I wasn't pricing it so low that it was embarrassing. I mean, I was trying to make it a respectable price. Um, anything current, though, any current work that you know could go to a gallery Again, that 20% discount would all would be all I would do for the tour for the open studio event. Um, again, it's something a gallery could potentially do. And so I feel it's in the realm of, you know, this is just fine. Um, and so, uh, and then there's a range of work that may be newer, but it's small. And I think it's good to have work like that available so that if somebody isn't going to spend, you know, Eight hundred to twelve hundred dollars on a slightly larger piece, they can afford this one that's four hundred or five hundred, and it's it's going to be smaller, but they can have something that they'll take home. Um, and and people are very different with these type of events. Um, sometimes there's sort of a what they do in a retail store, kind of a loss leader, you know, where you you put things out that are intentionally lower priced to get people engaged with the work to. You know, help people feel like they can take something home. Uh, some people make note cards and things like that um, that are truly low priced or prints. So there's a lot of ways to deal with this. But I would say maintaining that um, standard for your newer work is important in no matter what situation that you're in. And then kind of uh, gut level, I suppose, with the rest of it. Um, another pricing situation that's tricky and is is negotiating a commission and a lot of artists have dealt with commissions and a lot of artists have pretty firm ideas about how to handle that and i think that's good because again um you can feel a little bit lost somebody's asking you to paint a painting just for them do you basically charge them normal price um, how do you deal with it? I mean, you know it's a sale, and that's the good part. Do you get extra money because you're setting aside your other work, you're doing custom work? Um, most artists feel that they should get some extra for that. 
so, but what is that exactly? Um, for myself, I ask if I, I usually do this through a gallery. I don't really take private commissions because I found them to be very stressful. So I prefer to work through a gallery, even though my end, re, end result of pay isn't as much. But I prefer to have the gallery be the middle person there. What I ask for is when I set the retail price for the person, which is basically the basic price, you know, as if they were just coming in and picking something off the wall. But I add 10% uh, to me as kind of a, um, not only to cover the cost of materials, which may be like a custom panel or something, um, but also because it is, you know, asking a little bit more of my time. And that 10%, I tell the gallery, that goes right to me. I don't split that with the gallery, making it 5%. Uh, it goes right to me. And so at the beginning of a commission, I'll get a 10% check just for me. Um, usually the gallery will then ask for half of the retail price up front. And then I get, so I get some of that, I get half of that. So I get a certain amount of money to launch the project. And I also make it very clear that shipping is not my responsibility. <laughs> so that's worked fine. And, you know, everybody seems happy enough with that. Some artists will ask uh, a really much higher percentage to do commissions. Um, and that is, it's perfectly viable. You know, that it's... Uh, standard practice for a lot of artists to do that. So again, finding your own comfort zone there. Um, another situation, selling your work to collectors, to people who, well, true collectors of your work, people who have repeatedly bought from you. Um, what kind of break do you give them? And uh, again, I wouldn't feel that I had to give them a huge break other than that Perhaps at that level, they are the friends and family. So they're, you know, they've maybe they've got that 20% break. Um, you know, you can consider throwing in something a little extra, some small gift or something. But, um, and this again would be a, a direct negotiation with somebody. Say somebody comes back to your studio tour every year or somebody, you know, contacts you repeatedly for your work. I think it's a human nature and a good inclination to start to treat them a little bit differently and, and give them some, some perks. Um, and the last thing I want to talk about is when you sell in different geographic markets. And this is a challenge because many artists would love to have a gallery in New York City. Okay, it's kind of like the gold standard, right? Um, if you are so lucky as to have that happen, it's quite likely that then that gallery will say, well, your prices are way too low for New York. You know, we're going to have to double them or something. And I know artists this has happened to. <laughs> so then where does that leave you? Well, all your other venues then have to also double their prices because you have to be consistent across all your galleries. And so... Uh, it's kind of, you know, putting all your, I don't know, all your hopes, everything into this one New York gallery, that they will sell your work at this high price. Uh, and, and realizing your other galleries may say, mm, can't do that, goodbye, <laughs> you know. Um, so, and, and it would be a huge price jump for the other galleries to, to say, oh, now this work is this much, twice as much. So, um, 
my own approach to that is to stay within um, the markets where my prices work and to not really go after galleries in really high-priced markets. Now, again, that's my choice. Um, you know, other people may feel differently, but that's that's kind of my perspective on it. Well, do you have any final thoughts to wrap up this episode? Yeah, I mean, I've just been able to cover a few basic points. Um, dealing with these trickier situations, I would say, um, and and just to say, you know, if you if you're an artist listening to this and you stress about your prices and you worry, are they too high? Are they too low? You're you're not alone. I mean, this is, it's it's not easy to figure this stuff out. Um, but I would say try to come up with some guidelines that make sense to you. Um, think about these other situations that you may come up with and how how you would respond to it. And sometimes it might be in the moment, you know. And if you have something in your head that you can fall back on, it's it's useful. Um, I think any time that you can, you have a potential buyer for your work, and you can speak with assurance and confidence and objectivity about your prices. Uh, it helps you feel. It helps you build a little more self esteem about your work. And it also conveys to the person that you're talking to that, you know, this is how it is. And and I think that's a more comfortable situation for everybody. All right. Well, that just about wraps up this episode of The Messy Studio. For more from The Messy Studio, please go to MessyStudioPodcast.com and sign up for the email list. You can also find The Messy Studio on Facebook, as well as Rebecca's public profile page. For more from Rebecca Kroll, check out RebeccaKroll.com and Cold Wax Academy at coldwaxacademy.com. Be sure to sign up for the email list to stay up to date on events, book signings, and openings. For more from myself, Ross Tickner, check out rosstickner.com. The Messy Studio is a Tick Digital Media production. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week with more art and entertainment. Until then, embrace your creative space, messy or otherwise. Thanks, everybody.